Hi everyone, welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast, brought to you by TUMI, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. In today's episode, we will have a look at the ongoing African Mobility Month, which is a campaign to promote sustainable mobility in African cities. The African Mobility Month 2020 is running from September 18 to October 18. To get some deeper insights into the initiative, we invited Jehan Biku from the city network ICLE, short for Local Governments for Sustainability, and Kirsten Wilkins, Managing Director from the citizen-driven initiative Open Streets Cape Town. My colleague Lena is going to have a chat with both of them about mobility behaviors in African cities, the importance of different mobility choices, and the effects of COVID-19 on the mobility system as a whole. We are very glad now to hear from the three of you. Over to you, Lena. So today we're having a really exciting discussion about something happening right now on the African continent, but also beyond. We're talking about the African Mobility Month. It's a campaign and I have two of the women who are at the forefront of implementing it with me today. So Jehan, tell us a bit about African Mobility Month. Where where did the idea come from? You know, what is the focus of that campaign? Um, and what are some of the, the things we're doing during this month? Um, so African Mobility Month uh, is a, a month-long social media campaign, and it started in 2019. Um, it is a way to advocate for people-centered, inclusive, sustainable mobility in our African cities. Um, and in 2019, the initial theme for it was around active mobility and walking and cycling and to really promote um, the, uh, this sort of mode of transport as viable means of mobility in cities. Um so it was there to promote the importance of it and to play and, and the role that it plays in creating equitable and livable cities, um, as well as to encourage cities to include these modes of transport planning, uh, tra tra uh, these modes in their transport planning, and to also allocate the necessary resources and funding towards it. Um, I think since since last year, since 2019, we've pivoted quite a lot and we have opened the scope quite a lot. Um, and I think we've taken our cues from the current situation, from the COVID pandemic, that really showed us um, how, you know, different modes of transport and how mobility is is playing out in, in African cities. So we've, we've extended the campaign quite a lot and we've included a diverse range of themes and topics which aim to reimagine and rethink mobility in African cities now and in the future. So what is the current situation teaching us and how... How should we respond? How are we responding um, to enable equitable cities and mobility systems in our in our cities that place people, health, and well-being at its core? Um, so I think the main the aim is really to provide the opportunity to discuss key challenges, to celebrate cities who are driving sustainable mobility solutions, as well as to bring um, different stakeholders into the conversation: civil society, mobility activists, citizens, to bring people together and sort of to drive a, a community of practice around mobility in sustainable cities. Um, and so the way that we're doing this is to encourage cities to, to plan events around walking and cycling by either having a, a cycling um, event or car-free days, but to also um, provide people the opportunity to uh, provide resources on different topics to um, Uh, to have virtual events where key discussions are being are being brought to the fore, um, and to to really just take this month to to think about it, to recuperate, to 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 see what the next steps forward is um, 
going forward. So I think that's that's the aim of Africa Mobility Month. What I really like about the idea of having this campaign, African Mobility Month, is that it, it sort of hinges already at uh, the impression that there's some aspects of mobility in African cities who are overlooked. So by creating this campaign and showcasing a lot of the activities and progress on the ground, you're also giving more room for discussing uh, mobility in cities. So I would be interested to understand more, what do you think cities still tend to overlook, maybe if it comes to walking and cycling, or even some of the other other uh, focus themes that you just mentioned of this year's campaign and how can you know more visibility help to shift the attention to those topics um so i think i think the the aim of this as well is to show that you know there are various ways in which people move in their cities and um and i and i think it's also so there's different modes there's different options or there's different there's different modes of, of Way, the, the way in which people move, but there's also the element of mobility is always seen as hard infrastructure. It's always seen as construction and implementation, whereas there's other aspect to mobility as well. The role that it plays in quality of life, in, in healthy cities, healthy people, the well-being, mental health of people, how mobility connects cities, the value that it, it drives in community and togetherness, how it supports people's economic and social prosperity. Um, and mobility really does play a role in all of this and forms part of an integrated system and cannot just be measured in terms of infrastructure or built environment, but also, um, but also in terms of inclusivity, how we include the most vulnerable people. How do we include, um, how do we include accessibility, road safety? So all these different topics. And I think, I, th I think, um, It's really sort of bringing all of those different elements, very, the very multifaceted um, mobility and, and what it really means for cities and really bringing that out, asking, asking the hard questions, grappling with these. How do we create dialogue and conversation around this? Um, and I think it's, it's walking and cycling, but it's also looking at informality and informal transport. It's looking at bus systems and rail, um, you know, so these different There's different modes and then how this also connects to city planning, to land use. Um, you know, it's so it's so, it's so diverse and we have to understand mobility um, in its diversity to really um, uh, design and, and create and implement sustainable solutions. Right. So when you say inclusivity uh, and also the issue of health in, in mobility and transport, I tend to quite quickly think of active mobility. And I think that too brings us to Kirsten and Open Streets, who are one of the major partners in this campaign. Um, Kirsten, I'd be interested in, in understanding your view on African Mobility Month and maybe the role of active mobility, so walking and cycling in African cities. Uh, hi there. Thanks so much for uh, having Open Streets be a part of this dialogue today. Um, yeah, you know, I think active mobility for me is sometimes a bit of a problematic term because I think that whether people are self-powered, you know, through pedals or feet or, um, you know, regardless of how they move, I think the, the important question for me is around choice of the way that we move. And people have the choice to self-power um, and when it comes to not being able to make decisions around hard infrastructure like public transport and, and covering long distances, that's where I think really government um, has a role to play in ensuring that people have the maximum amount of choice for people to live their, their best lives. 
And so as uh, mobility activists and people involved in city and town planning, you know, we can do the best that we can do to give people choices and to develop uh, kind of empathic understandings and dialogues around how it is that, that we can do the most we can to make uh, walking and cycling infrastructure better is great. But I think what African Mobility Month does is it connects those two things. It connects the, the decisions we can make as citizens about how we move either walking or cycling. And, and the 20-year the, the plans, the strategic thinking that governments are having to do around providing the rest of that suite of choices. Um, and this platform can really help to, the, to connect those conversations and co importantly connect the people making those decisions um, to build uh, empathy across that divide. I think, I think there's a huge amount of pressure on governments to, to provide infrastructure under huge uh, financial um, uh, constraints. And I think the more as, as citizens we understand how those planning processes work, I think the more we can engage in them. And similarly, I think that, you know, 20-year plans are fine, but people are walking today. And I think that uh, government and decision makers who are involved in strategic planning um, have a great opportunity with African Mobility Month to understand that it's day-to-day -day movement activities and patterns of people uh, so it can shape those 20-year uh, plans around how how it is that the city is investing in harder infrastructure and more long term uh, public transport solutions. So so the the idea of platform is very important for us as open streets in the work we do. But I think African Mobility Month is really a platform in and of itself. You know we can only create so many experiences and events uh, digitally as a, as a team. Um, but what, I, what I've really enjoyed seeing is is people taking hold of that hashtag African Mobility Month creating something, initiating something, and drawing us into their conversations. Um, and I really think that, that the, the power of social media in this situation is exactly that. It allows the transfer of the narrative and, and, and the themes to the people who are most going to benefit from innovative solutions. So um, when somebody calls me up and they say, hey, we're doing a bike ride. Do you want to join us? We're doing it for African Mobility Month. Then as one of the, the kind of organizing partners, I really feel like, like we're doing well because we've transferred um, the ownership of this platform uh, to be inclusive of whatever somebody wants to speak or listen to when it comes to shaping our cities and the way that we move. So you're really describing this type of spark that kind of goes from one to the other in terms of, you know, bringing everyone on board. And I think that's also, this intention is also highlighted in your comment to say, mobility is a lot about choice so that everyone can find that mobility form that suits him or her needs in a particular situation. So because uh, this year's African Mobility Month has quite extended um, the topics or the forms of mobility that it focuses on, I think it might be worth to kind of highlight again, what are the different topics and phases of this month that we're currently in? Um, to also bring to listeners' attention, you know, what period of time might be good for you to start something in the area for, let's say, active mobility or, you know, something around innovations. Um, so can you elaborate a bit more of the, on the topics that we're doing this month? Of course. So some of the topics that we, we would address this month is, uh, so the first one is something around moving in our cities. So, so really understanding and bringing, bringing to the fore what the mobility ecosystem sort of looks like. What are, how are people moving currently? Um, walking, cycling, informal transport, you know, how, what are the different ways? But also what are the, what are the other things we need to think about in terms of 
accessibility in terms of uh, gender inclusivity, uh, road safety, um, you know, how do we incorporate quality of life and health and well-being in our mobility system? So really looking at those different topics within the theme of moving in our cities. Um, looking at transitioning to a low-carbon mobility, what does this mean in our cities? Um, uh, what, is, what are the narratives around it now and how do we use this period to transition um, with more decarbonized transport systems? Uh, looking at active mobility and non-motorized transport. Um, and then also looking at the logistics that sustain our cities. I think this is quite an underrepresented topic in, in Afri African cities to understand how goods and services move within city, within neighborhoods on the micro level and in our cities, between our cities and across the continent. So um, looking at those formal and informal ways. And then lastly, looking at business and innovation. Um, what are the kinds of financial support? What are the startups that are out there? What are they doing? What are, they, what are the gaps that they're finding and how are they responding to this? Um, and then also a key question, what does innovation look like in, in African cities? Is it high-tech uh, technology or is it also just the low-tech solutions? Um, using a bicycle to, to move uh, goods and services to local communities, to vulnerable households, to, you know, how what are the low-tech contextualized solutions that we also need to consider uh, going forward? So, so those are the five topics, topics we really want to, to get onto. Um, and I think uh, the way it's planned is that each week we will we'll go through a different topic and, and have as far as possible uh, resources and, and events and conversations and webinars that relate to these different topics um, to, to just induce the conversation a lot more. So I was in the beginning of this podcast, I, I wanted to ask a sort of a provocative question. I was going to ask you guys what you think typical African mobility is. But I mean, given your answer so far already, you've made it quite clear there's no such thing as the typical African mobility, which I think is something uh, that's true for a lot of places in, these world, in this world. But I'm curious to understand um, your experience and your knowledge about So some of the common mobility challenges across African cities and countries. Are there any points or any observations you make where you say um, this is definitely something, you know, that maybe also comes with the way that African cities are structured, the way that they are run, the way that people move every day in a city, the way businesses and goods move, as you just said. Are there any common themes that you would say are quite um, distinctive to African cities? So I would say, and I mean, I think this also lends itself to is there typical African mobility? And I would say, I would say that you know, mobility in our African cities have a, a sprout. They sprout out of necessity, and things pop up as 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 people find a way to move. If if there's no formal infrastructure for transportation, they'll find a way in 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 a different way. Um, and I think I think this, the, you know, the the thing around informality is something that that African cities grapple with. And, and, and it's, it's something that we need to have open conversations around and we need to see how we get best, what are the gaps that they provide, the important vital roles that they provide and how can we better support informality um, and not disregard it or not think of it in, in a negative light. Um, so I think that's some of the common the themes that come out from mobility. And then I think, you know, data systems, it's, it's quite lacking in African cities. And I, I think Data systems, be it understanding informal transport routes, understanding what the role that they play and how they move in cities, mapping, mapping cycle, cycling routes, how, how people move, how people are walking, 
air quality in cities, um, types of vehicles on the road, traffic studies, and really understanding that in terms of data, understanding mobility in terms of data, not just the formal, but also the informal. Um, so, so it's really mixing qualitative and quantitative ways of, of knowing so that we can really understand what's happening on the ground, but also what, what we can map and what we can see. And then also updating, maintaining, capacitating and financing these data and information systems for the long run and, and using that as an evidence base to support um, future, you know, short term and long term um, goals. And then, yeah, I think in terms of financing is, a, is, is quite a, you know, understanding who are the role players, how do we collaborate to finance systems, what are the kind of business models that are contextually appropriate for sustaining mobility systems in African cities. And then also creating enabling spaces for collaboration, be it vertical and horizontal governance um, structures, uh, but as well as bringing community organizations, activists, researchers, citizens into these conversations, because it does impact all of us. And I think it's really creating those spaces going forward. So about what Jehan just described, Kirsten, how do you, uh, from the perspective of open streets, how do you see these challenges and what do you do maybe to counter them or to support cities in overcoming them? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, it's a really big question. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes when I feel sort of overwhelmed at the gravitas of some of the challenges that, challenges that, that we presented with in the mobility space, I always try and bring it down to two people and just what it is that people are trying to do. And the question that I always ask, I mean, regardless of which country I've had, and I've had the chance to, to travel in quite a number of um, cities across the continent. And the, you know, the question that always comes to me is, you know, why is it that you're moving? And where would you prefer to move to? Uh, and what would you prefer that experience to be? Um, because I think, you know, so that the day-to-day -day, um, movement patterns of people um, and I think women in particular haven't been documented in a way that moves us towards creating streets for people and mobility for people. But but data tends to lend itself more towards building efficiencies rather than experiences. And because public space is the street and public space is those collective spaces, whether we're, regardless of the speed we move at in these spaces, it's still public space and public experience. So my question is really, you know, why are people moving? How is that different now to pre-COVID? Um, and how can that experience in public space be the best experience? And, and I feel that, you know, in, in African cities, as opposed to, to a more Eurocentric perspective, which we often are presented with more, especially on social media. Um, I think the question too, why is it that you're moving and how can that experience be better really holds a lot of value for other cities in the world. Because as, as Johanna said, you know, the informal economies in African cities are beautiful and diverse and, and incredibly intricate. Um, and I think they, they hold the key to understanding better mobility experiences because whether we move uh, more efficiently or not, um, I believe that we are we will be better people if we can move together, having had better experiences for it. So, so for me, I think I think in the face of these overwhelming challenges and and the real intricacies of the kinds of questions that need to be asked, everything from data to financing, I think the question is why are you moving? And for us to build a very people-centric empathic response to that, I think it's just, is really the best step. Um, as Open Streets, we do the best we can in that space. And I'm hoping that that is a positive influence to remember that streets are for people first.
I think that's one of the groundworks to really, you know, kind of let go of the the patterns that we are used in cities and allow us to kind of think beyond what we know, but sort of what do we want? Um, I think what's important in what you mentioned also now is that, um, you know, how COVID changed how we can use and move in our cities. Uh, and I think especially in African countries where, like Jehan said, there's a lot of informality when it comes to transport, but also other parts of life. And I know that ICLE is doing a lot of work, of course, in this area of informal transport. So I'm wondering what your impressions have been on how COVID has affected and changed mobility and in how far cities are able, you know, to cope with the current situation, but also um, coming back to the issue of finance, if there are any plans or you see any visions on how cities can move beyond this current crisis mode, but kind of contain the services and um, activities that they do in this continued time of pandemic that we are still in. I think the COVID pandemic has really, I mean, it's really impacted our transport systems. And I mean, you know, in terms of COVID measures and social distancing, I mean, just looking at reduced capacity in in, in buses and, and that's quite a big service that's being provided, but also how informal transport really wasn't considered in COVID regulations. Um, and the grounding of, of informal transport has really impacted how and re really impacted and really restricted how people are able to move um, in their cities. And um, and I'm, I hope that it's showed the importance of, of the informal system and also just how the informal system is providing livelihoods to operators, but as well as to citizens in terms of getting to, to their jobs and to economic opportunities. Um, I think, I think people, you know, they're trying to get a different mode in terms of walking and cycling, but also we need then infrastructure that supports that um, in that way. And I think, and I, yeah, and I think that's this. There's quite a lot of that 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 needs to be understood and 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 then you know responded to. That is that is contextual, and then looking at financial model, models of how how it can sustain better transport systems, but also how it can how finances can really support informal operators and in, not just in terms of their operations, but also in terms of their lives and their you know providing enough. Um, capital, um, you know, leave days, pension funds, sick leave, you know, there's all these other things that informal operators require that it's not being seen and it puts them at such a huge vulnerability, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really just really trying to reflect and understand what's happening in our cities, what is, who is more imp who is impacted, how and how we can respond going forward. Kirsten, what do you think? Sure. Um, you know, from my side, I think the, the COVID pandemic and its impact on transport has been probably the most visible. Um, if you had to look at a photo gallery of most shocking COVID photos, I think the, the, the empty streets and lack of cars and lack of mobility because of lockdown, I think will, will sort of resonate with people for a long time to come. But I think, I think what, the pandemic has highlighted, highlighted is how integral mobility is to every other aspect of our lives in order for us to be economically viable, in order for us to have healthy families and healthy social structures. And um, I think that 
in Cape Town specifically, I think that the choice of people not to move has been limited to a very select group of people. And that, and that group of people are you know, people who have got um, jobs that can be work from home, uh, coupled with the ability to have the technological and uh, data uh, capacity in order to do so. And I think it's highlighted some very real connections between mobility and lived life. And also it's pulled the curtain back on inequality. And I'm I'm really grateful for that because I think as, as, as mobility advocates and as city planners and, you know, people doing the work, we understand these things. But I think to make lived real experience for everybody is this understanding of the interconnectivity of things and the real inequality that is in our city, I think is absolutely critical. So I would prefer that we didn't go back to business as usual, which is sort of, you know, six or seven hours of peak congestion time. You, you hardly don't, you hardly knew when it wasn't peak. Um, I'd prefer we didn't go back to that, but, and, and I'd, I'd really love for us to, as a citizenry, have a chance to explore ways of, of moving that's more interconnected to the way that we live our lives. You know, how does school work? Um, what time does my job really need to begin if I have to be there? You know, I, I think to have a healthy space for us to be able to ask these questions because this curtain's been pulled back on how interconnected everything is would be absolutely ideal for me. Um, I think, you know, maybe if we did African Mobility Month again uh, next year, maybe it wouldn't just be African Mobility Month. It'd be sort of, you know, just it would be so much more inc inclusive almost because mobility is moving out of a space of being an aspect of our lives to being really integrated. And I'm, I'm really grateful that, that COVID has given us the chance to, to see that um, lived experience and moving is just one of the, one part of our, our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. And I also just wanted to mention, you mentioned the interconnectivity and I mean, just looking at food systems, for example, and the, the role that mobility and distribution plays in, access to food, um, you know, a lot of those were also stopped during because of regulation. So distribution of food is also a big problem. And, and so how do cities and how do, I mean, how do communities and, and households sustain themselves when those vital services are being disrupted also because they are informal? So, you know, there's, there's a lot of those interconnected um, elements, but also at the micro level, how is things moving and how does mobility play a role just in sustaining people's lives? These comments that you just made, I think, uh, perfectly bring us back to the question of why it's important to give more visibility to the issue of mobility in our cities, how crucial it is. So I would like to let our listeners go with some of your input on how they can get involved in African Mobility Month. Where can they go to see what's happening? What can they do to partake? And how can they become part of this campaign? So, so there's, there, uh, there are a host of, of events and virtual um, online engagements and events taking place uh, throughout the month that has been um, um, that has been uh, brought, uh, you know, that our partners are have developed. Um, but also, there are a lot of, I mean, cities are also engaging and creating their own events um, that support the different modes of transport, support active mobility. I know that Rwanda, for example, has um, initiated their own African Mobility Month campaign in terms of 
promoting active mobility and getting citizen engagement. So Africa is is launching Transport Month, and they will also have quite a number of activities um, uh, that that they that the cities will will participate in. And I think the way people can really get involved is. Um, Following, following the hashtag African Mobility Month on Twitter as well as Instagram, um, and also uh, keeping an eye out on the on the webpage on the African Mobility Month webpage where, where we'll keep updating the events that's happening, and also just engaging in your own conversations. Um, pose a provocative question on Twitter uh, under the hashtag African Mobility Month, and I think get people to engage and and, and converse with this with with this. Um, uh, with this hashtag and 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 con, con, you know have conversations around questions and and promote some of the you know resources that are out there and if you're you know if you if you also are wanting to host an event um, yeah under the hashtag African Mobility Month I think people can everyone's welcome to get involved. So for folks who want to get involved, I want to encourage everybody to head over to the hashtag African Mobility Month. And use that to post experiences of your day-to-day traveling experiences. Um, I think the one thing that we've learned, uh, you know, over the course of time and certainly since COVID is, you know, there's no normal way to do things anymore. And I would love to see personally what your normal looks like. So if you're listening to this podcast, take a short video clip of your trip to work or your trip to school um, or your trip to the store uh, if you're on a skateboard, then show us. If you're if you're rollerblading, if you walk backwards, I would I would love to see everybody's lived experiences, so we can bring that to the fore on this platform and make people's lived experiences the voice uh, that decision makers are listening to when they decide on those twenty year plans going forward. That's going to be fun following the hashtag from now on. I'm quite excited to see all these different moves uh, in African cities. And for sure, from our side, we'll be sure to share the website with our listeners. Of course, uh, like our guest said, do follow the hashtag African Mobility Month. And uh, then I'm sure we'll hear more from the both of you throughout this month. For today, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's been great fun as it has been uh, doing African Mobility Month with you. And uh, we look forward to the continuation of this campaign. Thanks so much for having us, Lena. Thank you so much, Lena. Thanks, Jehan. Thank you, Jehan, Kirsten and Lena for these insights into the diverse activities which you are supporting. Buck truly has an impact to improve the mobility for the people in African cities. If you would like to find out more about the initiative, please follow the Twitter hashtag African Mobility Month. You will also find in the description box of this podcast course, feel free to join the campaign. Hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Always, thanks for tuning in and hear you next time.